The Gatehouse Sales Training and Leadership Podcast presents Selling in the Real World, Part 1, How to Sell in the Real World, with Gatehouse Director of Sales Training, Mike Senarani. Now, let's get selling in the real world. My name is Mike Senarani. I am the Director of Sales Training for Gatehouse Media. Mike, how did the sales method get started? I had an opportunity to do something Back in 1996, I've worked with over 46 media companies in 22 countries. I had an opportunity to do something that I don't believe really anybody else has ever had the same opportunity. And I'll give you a brief story here, explanation. In 1996, I'm working for one of the largest media companies in the United States. We had a great product. It did incredibly well. The problem was that, was that when we interviewed our, our customers, and we asked him specifically, you know, what do you think about us? Do you like working with us? Do you like our company? Almost unanimously, it came back that we like your product. We can't stand you as a company, though. So we don't like your salespeople. We don't like your sales approach. A really funny quote came back in one of the surveys where the, uh, one of the business owners actually said, I'd rather work with the IRS in your company, which obviously that's not a good thing. So that being the case, I saw an opportunity and I took it. There was five vice presidents in the room and I volunteered. I actually raised my hand and said, I'd like to volunteer to see if I can go out and find a better approach. So I had the opportunity to go out and get certified in 12 different sales training programs, what would consider to be the best 12 in the world. Uh, we then, after that, we then decided, let's see if we can customize the combination of the best of the best here and form our own sales process step-by-step. We then wanted to choose some place to go test it. So I was allowed to pick anywhere in the United States to go. So we chose Brooklyn, New York. All right, no offense to the fine people of uh, Brooklyn, New York, not the most patient people in the world. So we thought this would be a great place to test market. We knew that if we could win those guys over, we'd probably be able to make this work anywhere in the world, and we did. I got to spend four years in the street actually testing this out, and our big takeaway was this that when we flipped everything around, when we made it about the business owner and not about us, everything changed. The more we knew about their business, the more we could speak their language, the more research we could do specifically about them, not so much about us, all of a sudden now that actually generated more interest from the business owner because it was about them. So that's kind of how this came about and this is where a lot of those laser specific significant questions come in that when we ask those questions, when a business owner says, well, yeah, I can do these kinds of things. And by the way, those questions that we ask, they're from a customer's perspective. In our, in our planning and preparation, we're preparing the same kind of questions you would prepare as if you were a potential customer, which really, it, it makes it even more relevant for the business owner. It adds to our credibility. It drops their guard. And when they come back and they say, well, I don't understand this. You know, you're a media company. Usually, you guys come and try to sell me something. Why are you asking me all these specific questions about my company this way? Our answer is, well, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, the reason we're asking these questions, I'm wondering if these are the same types of things some of your potential customers might want to know the answers to. And by the way, you gave some great answers. If more of the public became aware of some of the things that you just shared with us, I'm wondering if this could make you a better choice. Would you be open to ideas on how we could share this with the public in a better way? And that's the single best way that we found doing this experiment back in 1996 to 2000 in Brooklyn. It was the single best way that we found to get credibility, to start the call, to be able to get into a really laser-specific conversation about their business, to find out really what their overall goals and objectives are to see how we can help them the most. So 
I apologize for the long answer, but that's really how it came about. Mike, what's the most difficult part of adapting to this method versus other sales methods that have been used in the past? I think one of the toughest things that we see in terms of adaptation with this approach versus what they were trained, we joke about this during our really, really in-depth training, is that our belief is that we are all kind of trained the wrong way initially, including myself. I was trained the wrong way. And what I mean by that is, I was trained to ask a lot of general open questions where we'd start out a lot of times with, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, tell me about your business. And we would hope that they would just open up and tell us their whole life story. And, and some did, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them would come, come back and say, look, I don't have the time to tell you my whole life story. And especially today, because if you look at what some of the things that Gordon Burrell talks about, you know, in a lot of his research that he happens to say that the average business owner in America today gets called on by somebody like us, a media rep, anywhere between 25 to 83 times a month. And in today's world, we really don't have the luxury of saying to most business owners anymore, hey, let's spend an hour, just tell me all about your business. We have to earn the right to get to that place. So the traditional way of how I was trained and a lot of the reps, the way they do it today is they ask a lot of really open general questions. We joke about this in our training, but what we talk about is when you ask a general question like that, you tend to get a very general answer. And when you get a really general answer, it usually leads to a really general solution. And then when you come back and you bring those general solutions back to the client, that's when you get a lot of, well, I want to think about it. Let me talk to my, my, my imaginary partner. I'm going on an African safari trip for three months, but I'll get back to you after that. It's a lot of put-offs. The more specific we get and we can teach them to kind of go in this direction, the more they really want to see what our ideas are when we come back and the, the more they like the ideas. We joke about this a lot in the training too, but they tend to really love the ideas. And the reason for that, they were their ideas. We just pulled it out of them by asking more laser specific questions. And so that, that's a big change for the way a lot of media reps do it. I think once they understand it, they really like it. A lot of the pushback we will get though is that, wow, these questions take a long time to come up with, which is why We've created about 50 verticals of questions to help them get them started, but we also teach them how to come up with the questions in a quick way themselves. But if they can make that jump, they will win a lot more business owner, owners over. It's not to say that you can't keep selling the way you have, but you tend not to get as many sales. They don't tend to be as large. They don't tend to work as well, and they don't tend to renew as high, as high a percentage. So how is success measured with this sales approach? If you are successful, first off, the planning is done properly. And in, and in prospecting and cold calling, we, we feel like you're being successful if you can one out of three or four walk-ins or drop-ins or calls you make. If you get an appointment, you're being pretty effective. If it starts to get outside of like one out of 10, one out of 15, one out of 20, not as effective. Now you're just kind of, you're just doing the numbers game thing. So we don't really believe, by the way, real quick side note, we don't really believe it's a numbers game. We believe it's a quality game. Take the time and do this properly. And I don't mean spending an hour before you walk into every business, but we just got done talking about this in today's session. Pick some, start off with some businesses and industries where you can speak the language. You know, so if you know a little bit about, let's say, how dentists operate, how chiropractors work, uh, personal injury lawyers, landscape contractors, whatever it happens to be, HVAC, if you feel like you know these areas really well, great, start there. And then also prospect clients where you feel like there's a decent opportunity based on the bandwidth of the company. The About Us page usually tells us a lot about what they can do. The Products and Services page, the same thing. We get a pretty good feel by looking at the website that, you know what, these guys look like they're a big enough business. It's going to be worth our while to be able to do that. 
So the first step, of course, is planning and preparing properly. But if you do that, here's the cool part. Even if it took an hour to really understand that research, think about it this way. In your geographic area, how many landscape contractors are there? So when you plan even for an hour for one, there might be 25 other contractors you could call on. So was that a really good use of your time? So then you go out and you start making these appointments. Now, if you're successful and you get the appointment, our belief, Cody, is that if you do a really effective job in those first few minutes by asking those laser-specific questions, you should easily be able to get to the needs analysis step well over 80% of the time, well over 80% of the time. And if you're not, then something was being missed in that planning and call opening. Uh, but if you can do that, and here's a real, another really cool part, if you, if you get through the whole needs analysis, about 50% minimum will, will buy your program afterwards if you do it correctly. Mr. Horowitz, the toughest customer story. <laughs> All right, so he was, uh, he was one of the most stern guys we probably ever met. Uh, he's a uh, still acting uh, active attorney in Baltimore, Maryland. He's a workers' compensation attorney. Um, he's actually fairly famous in the Maryland area because he actually had some of the laws changed for how workers' comp cases should be handled in, at, in that area. Um, you, if you've gone through any of the style awareness training, if you've ever been through any kind of style awareness training in the past, like DISC or Myers-Briggs or things like this, he would definitely fall on the extrovert, doer, driver, director style. Um, myself and the sales rep that I was with that day when we, we walked into his place of business, he was a doer style. He didn't, he didn't uh, shake our hands. He just pointed to the two chairs in front of us and said, sit there. You've got five minutes, go. So I usually ask a lot of sales reps at that moment, tell me what you would do right now. How, how would you handle this? Uh, I've actually had some sales reps say, well, if I'm only going to give me five minutes, then I'm going to walk away. Unfortunately, in this particular case, if you, if you walked away, he would have never let you come back and talk to him again. I would also encourage all the sales reps watching this, don't give up on a guy like this because if you can win this guy over, this is, you're gonna, if you can get the trusted advisor status, he's going to stay with you forever and he may spend more with you than any of the other styles as well. But you've got to gain credibility quickly. So what we said back to Mr. Horowitz was, Mr. Horowitz, let's cut right to the chase. Uh, I know you're a pretty busy guy. The reason why Tim and I wanted to come out to see you today is we do believe through some of the research we've done, we may have the ability to help you gain more clients than you might be able to actually have gotten on your own. And, and I don't blame you for being skeptical here. So let me give you a specific, specific example here. I'm going to start with a really kind of important question to throw at you. We, we spent a lot of time looking at your website, kind of reading over all the things that you guys are great at doing here. And, and there's some incredible things you guys are doing. But one of the things I couldn't find, and this could be really important, Mr. Horowitz, if somebody got hurt on the job site, it was absolutely no fault of their own. It was because of the poor working conditions that they were under. And they're pretty severely injured. If all of a sudden the insurance company for that company comes in and they do their own medical evaluation, they hand that person a check and say, look, we're really sorry for that accident. Here's a check that should take care of all of your injuries. Uh, we're, we're, we're sorry. We hope this you know, makes everything whole here. Mr. Horowitz, if they don't believe that that's fair compensation based on the extent of their injuries and they reached out to somebody like you, would you still take the case? If they haven't, if they haven't cashed that check yet, would you still take the case? In this particular case, he came back and he said, yes, we would. I said, okay, that's great. Now, follow-up question to this. If they called your law firm today, sir, do they have the ability to talk to an actual attorney versus a paralegal or an office manager? He goes, yes. I asked him what percentage of time. He said 100%. That's outstanding. Even over the phone? He goes, yes. What percentage of time can you even tell him over the phone if you've got a case? He goes, 100%. 
So that's outstanding too. Now this is also equally important, Mr. Hallwoods. If, if you end up deciding to take that case or they agree to have you take the case for them, do you have an em employer have any type of private investigators that could go out to the job site and be able to look at that scene of the accident, let's say within the next 24 to 36 hours, right after it happened, to take pictures, photographs, interview some of the people there. His answer, I've got two of them, and they work for me. Wow, that's great, okay. What about medical? He goes, well, what do you mean? Do you have an employee any kind of medical doctors who could do their own evaluation? He goes, again, I've got two medical doctors, and they work for me as well. So wow, that's great. Do you guys feel like you do a pretty good job in terms of staying in touch with the client once you take the case over? He goes, well, what do you mean by that? Well, once, once you start working with them, if they send you an email, phone call, would you mind if I was to ask how quickly you respond? He, he, he said in kind of a terse way, kind of comes back and he goes, is the same day fast enough for you? Which I smiled and said, yeah, that's pretty good. And listen, I apologize for these questions. Just one more here, and let me, I'll, I'll tell you exactly where I'm going with this. But again, these, these could be kind of critical, sir, to you being actually decided to be chosen for this case. Um, you have a lot of employees here. You know, look like on your website, you've got about 130 employees. He snapped back at me, I've got 142. I said, okay. So I apologize for the question, but this could be also critical. Sir, because of the size of your law firm, uh, is there any danger that you've got so many cases that you're working on that you would not be able to start working on the case right away? He goes, how about the same day? Is that fast enough for you? And I said, no, that's outstanding. And then he finished it up with this. Where are you going with these questions? Why are you asking me these questions? I thought you guys had something you wanted to sell me. What is it? And, of course, we came back and said, well, Mr. Horowitz, let me tell you exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, so in the last couple of minutes here, here's what I just found out about your law firm. I repeated back every one of the eight things that he just told me and, and asked him back, Mr. Horowitz, here's where I'm going with this. If somebody in real life had been actually hurt on the job site, and they now, for the first time in their life, needed to try to find a, a workers' comp attorney to be able to help them, represent them, because of the extent of their injuries. If they found out those eight things you just told me, what do you think the chances are that you'd be the number one choice if they found that out? And he came back and goes, well, yeah, it'd be really high. That's why I do it. What's your point? Our follow-up, that's exactly why I want to talk to you today. Mr. Horowitz, if you can do those eight things you just said at Gatehouse Media, we may have the ability to help you get that message out in a more powerful way than you've ever done it before. And by the way, you've got full right of refusal too. So with your permission, what we'd love to be able to do is there's some more questions that we feel are critical to ask you to determine whether or not you're the right guy. But at the conclusion of this, I'll just cut right to the chase. What we'd be willing to do for you is put together a whole set of ideas for you. You take a look at the, these ideas if you, at no charge. If you like them, great, we'll keep talking. If not, you don't have to spend a dime, but we'll still give them to you where you can use them for free anywhere you want. Would you be open to that? And of course he said, absolutely. Here's a really cool part of the story. We were there for over an hour. And the other, I'll finish it up with this too, Cody. Using this approach, this is what's really kind of cool about this approach is that if, if you do this properly, when you come back with your ideas, and I really want you to think about this, everybody listening to this, think about this really carefully because this is really important. They have to love your ideas. Let me take this a couple steps farther. If you use this approach, they have to fall madly, deeply, passionately in love with these ideas. When you come back, they don't have any choice because they were their ideas. But what you have to be able to do as a media rep is you've got to ask the right questions, not just any questions, not just open generic questions, laser specific significant questions about their business and industry from their customer's perspective, from their client's perspective, from their patient's perspective, so that you will be able to say back to them, sir, are these the types of questions that a potential customer may ask you? Which of course, most of the time they're gonna come back and say, yeah, 
None of these, by the way, none of this information is on their website. So that another rule of thumb here is we're never going to ask a question that's already on their website, it's already being answered. We might ask a deeper questions that aren't being answered as well, but we want to know their story and why they were great. We always make this kind of point that, you know, if they're not, if you walk out of that call, if you hang up the call or if you walk out of the call and you're not sold on that business owner, you've got nothing. There's nothing you're going to be able to do for them. So you've got to be able to understand why they're great. Then we can figure out where do we want to put that message. But the cool part, again, is when you come back with that message, they're going to love it. And they're going to love you for it. <laughs> Ironically, what they're really saying, I love myself, right? I love me because how good I am. They're really not saying they love us. They're saying they love themselves, which is fine, right? That's something Simon Sinek talks a lot about in his, in his talk, Start With Why, is people will do the things to prove what they believe. We just got to find out what makes them great, not in a general way, in a laser specific way and it's the single best way that we've ever found to connect with business owners. Let me finish up with one last thing. Once we figure once we figure out why they're great, just a couple of other quick things to think about. Think about the focus areas of the business. This is really important because even though he was a workers comp guy, he also had 20% of his business was in medical malpractice. So that was a different set of questions we needed to ask him. All right, and, and for every business, think about the different focus areas of profit centers. So you may have to repeat this process a couple of times. In the beginning, we recommend just take one or two focus areas. Don't try to do 10 if they've got 10 in the beginning. But then the second part is then ask those laser-specific questions from a customer standpoint. All right, if you're sold on them, you've got it. But the final part is we talk about what we call capability capacity. How much business are they doing? How much more can they do? So rather than asking them in the old school way, hey, what's your budget? Or what do you want to put in your ad? You don't need to do that anymore. We're going to create the ads for them because they just gave us all this great information. And we don't need to ask them what their budget is because that's a made-up number anyway. Instead, we find out, Mr. Horowitz, how many cases are you handling per month on average right now versus how many more could you handle? And at an average value of, let's say, $10,000 per case, could that mean with 10 more you could do 100000 more per month? So without changing anything in your business, right, hiring any more attorneys, paralegals, staying up in any extra hours, you have an opportunity to bring in an extra 100000 And we finish it up with this, Cody. With your permission, would you be okay if we try to come up with some ideas that could potentially help you get closer to that number? We're not making any promises or guarantees, but we're just seeing what we can do to help them get closer to that goal and objective. Now we know what their focus areas are, their key selling points, why they're great at it. Hopefully we get a unique selling proposition out of that. We know capability capacity, how much business they're doing now and how much more they could do. And we're walking away with those specific goals and objectives. Now we know exactly how to build that proposal that would be a perfect fit, customized for exactly what they're trying to do. It takes all the guessing away. And that's really what this process is all about. Good luck to everybody. Thank you. Selling in the real world with Gatehouse Director of Sales Training, Mike Centerani.